Praise God. Well, um, we're going to start a new series today, I think. I mean, I believe it's a new series, not just a one-off, but, you know, I suppose we could get done today and then uh, move on, but I believe it's a, a series. So let's turn over to um, Luke six thirty-seven. Now, you guys prayed with me, right? So you're open to hear what God would have to speak to us, right? Yes. We yield to Him. He doesn't take people's men's and women's mouth and, you know, like a puppet and makes a move. We got to yield to Him, but I believe this is what we should cover right now. And so you guys said you're open, right? Yes. Praise God. And so we are receptive and open. Luke 6, 37 and 38. It says there, judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Verse 38, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Go back to verse uh, 37. Give or I mean, judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. For at the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Now let's go on to verse 39. It says, And he spoke a parable to them, can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and do not perceive the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. Let's go over to Matthew 7, verse 1. Matthew 7, verse 1. It says, judge not that you, uh, that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. In the message, it says this. Don't pick on people, jump on their failures, criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. 
That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. It is easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you, when your own face is distorted by contempt? It's this whole traveling roadshow mentality all over again, playing a holier-than-thou part instead of just living your part. Wipe that ugly sneer off your face. I didn't write this. Wipe, wipe, wipe that ugly sneer off your own face, and you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. Woo! Ouch. Yeah, ouch. Could be ouch. You know, um, when uh, there's different versions of the Bible, you know, there's translations that, like the King James is a word-for-word word-to-word translation. It's not like exactly the order of the original, but it is, you know, generally word-for-word, faithfully translated. You get word-for-word, then you have thought-for-thought or sentence-for-sentence type, like the NIV is more, it spreads it out a little bit, kind of get the thought. Then you have basically paraphrases, and that, it's, it's impossible for a paraphrase uh, not by, by its very nature. If I tell you I'm giving you a paraphrase, let me paraphrase from you, I'm going to tell you the way I understand it. Well, that inherently is going to introduce my beliefs into it. So paraphrases of the Bible, which the message is one, are useful uh, in, in places uh, to bring a thought out because a lot of times they, they uh, say things in more modern language or really bring a point home, but you can't build doctrine off them. And you have to look to see, is this saying what the original is saying? Because you can't look at the King James and then see something that, in a paraphrase, that says something totally different and say, well, I like that version better. I'm going to use that. If it's different, you need to drop it because that's somebody's opinion. It's not gospel. I don't care that it has a verse, chapter and verse on it. That's not the, that's not the word, then. That's somebody's opinion. But there are a lot of places where it's faithful and it says it brings light onto what the, the original is, is saying. And I believe this is... This is exactly, you know, saying the same type of thing just kind of smashes us in the face with it. But it's true. It's a faithful uh, representation, and it helps us to understand. And we can look at it and go, mm, yeah, that, that, uh, yeah, that made the point. Let's, let's read another one. The Passion Translation said, Refuse to be a critic full of bias toward others, and judgment will not be passed on you, for you'll be judged by the same standard that you've used to judge others. The measurement you use on them will be used on you. Why would you focus on the flaw in somebody else's life and yet fail to notice the glaring flaws of your own? How could you say to your friend, Let me show you where you're wrong? When you're guilty of even more. You're being hypocritical and a hi- or hypercritical and a hypocrite. First acknowledge your own blind spots and deal with them, and then you'll be capable of dealing with the blind spots of your friend. You guys doing okay? This is going somewhere. This isn't like spanking day, but we're getting somewhere. Let's turn over to Romans 2, verse 1. We'll get into some things and then... Uh, We'll look at this over here. Romans 2, verse 1. <clears throat> I 
It says, Therefore you are inexcusable, man, whoever you are who judge, for whatever, in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself, for you who judge practice the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. If we look at this in the message, can you put that up in the message, verse uh, 2122 in the message? So a few little ways down. I think it just says 2-2, two, two. yep. There we go. It says, those people are on a dark spiral downward, but if you think that leaves you on high ground where you can point your fingers at others, think again. Every time you criticize someone, you condemn yourself. It takes one to know one. Judgmental criticism of others is a well-known way of escaping detection in your own crimes and misdemeanors. But God isn't so easily diverted. He sees right through all such smoke screens and holds you to what you've done. Now, in general, he's talking about the, ju the judgment of God is righteous. And that's what we want to bring out here. But he says some other things. When you're pointing, somebody said it like this. He's a preacher. I've said this before. But he was saying, when I'm pointing a finger at you, he goes, there's three, three pointing back to, at me and four if you have a curly thumb. When we're pointing our finger at somebody, we need to understand we're pointing at ourselves. Romans 2.2 in the Passion Translation. Now, let's, now we're going to skip that for now. Let's go back and uh, look at what we just read in the message and then we'll go on. It says, those people are on a dark spiral downward. He's talking about, you know, if you read the first chapter of Romans, he's saying... Um, he said he's not ashamed of the power of God uh, or of the gospel, for it is the power of God until salvation. And then he goes and says there are no, the people that are in the world that haven't been thankful and haven't acknowledged God. And they're not the, the very Godhead that creation acknowledges and, and points to God and the Godhead and everything. And he said people weren't thankful and they, they, they wouldn't acknowledge God. They wouldn't worship him as God. And so their understanding was darkened. And he talks about sexual immorality and goes through. And then it goes... Um, into chapter 2, and so that's what he's referring to. He said, those people are on a dark spiral downward, but he said, if you think that leaves you on high ground where you can point your fingers at others, think again. And he said, every time you criticize someone, you condemn yourself. Now let's read that first part in the, the uh, in two, or New King James Version. If you can put up Romans 2.1 in the New King James Version, what you had up before. We'll look at it there, and then we'll say a few things. Therefore, you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. Praise God. Let's go back over to, to Luke, and then we'll start commenting on these things. The first, Luke 6, 38. They'll just put it up on the screen. You don't have to turn there. Very first scripture. Or, sorry, 637. 
Judge not, and you shall not be judged. And we read other, these other scriptures, and we may look at some of them in these different versions. But it says, judge not, and you shall not be judged. And of course, we've read, the next part says, condemn not, you shall not be condemned. Forgiven, you will be forgiven. Then it says, give, and you will be, it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. But here it says, judge not. We read a number of things here where it's saying, don't judge. And how would you judge somebody else and point out, you know, the different paraphrases, don't you know, point out what's on their face or point out what's in their eye when you yourself have stuff on your face, or you got a contorted look on your face, or you have, you know, like the original says, you're, you're, you're trying to pick out a speck in their eye, and you have a plank in your eye. But the thing it says here is judge not. And I want us to spend some time, we're going to see how this develops and goes, but what I have in my heart is to look at this area about judging. And it, the Bible clearly says not to judge. Now, we'll get into some different aspects of this, I believe, People confuse when you say judge, because there's this saying, you could probably help me out. People say, don't judge, right? Something happens, people go, don't judge, don't judge me, don't judge, don't judge me. If you, like, if you say anything, don't, don't, don't judge me. And there's this, thing, there's this idea in the world that having any sort of sense of holiness or... Um, wanting to serve God or, or aspire to do anything that somehow you're judging. Now, there's a couple of things. Number one, judging other people and having a critical spirit and uh, criticizing other people has been one of probably the biggest things that has driven people away from God and church. How many times have you heard it throughout your life that people will say, you know, Christians, I mean, the most critical hypocritical people, you know, I've never, I've heard it said many times. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying what you have heard, what I've heard and uh, seen it written. Uh, people will say uh, Christians, they'll lump them all in, of course. The Christians are some of the, the most critical people, the most unforgiving people. Because of what we're talking about here, when people are judging somebody, that is repulsive. Nobody wants to be judged. And in fact, God himself said, do not do it. And it's, there's so much here because it is a trap. The enemy would try to get you to judge people so that he can step in and get judgment on you. Because what do we read so many times? When you're judging somebody, you're just setting yourself up for the same thing to come back on you like a boomerang. You're setting the same thing for, if you judge somebody at a certain standard, you're setting the same thing for, well, do you want to be judged like that? I mean, we all know, I think we've all heard, well, you shouldn't judge other people, but what does that mean? People have confused it, like I was saying. They'll lump everything in together and be like, well, don't judge me as if, if you're, if you're standing up for the truth of God's word in any way, shape, or form, you're being judgmental. Though there's a difference between judging people and judging sin. The Bible talks about uh, you know, judging prophecy. The Bible talks, uh, you know, looking at behavior is different than looking at somebody's heart. Nobody is qualified, no human being is qualified to judge a person's heart. Only God. And this is where it gets messy. 
Because what, what is tempting and what these verses are talking about over and over is when you presume to step in and decide that person is doing this because of such and such. I know it. I know they, they don't like this or they're just doing it or they're selfish or whatever. That is judging somebody's heart. And that is setting us up for that very uh, standard to be used on us. And guys, you do not want that. When we come to God, what is the gospel? The gospel is that the Lord Jesus Christ, when we had nothing to offer God, we had nothing to give Him. We had nothing to, um, nothing to stand on. Jesus came and He died so that we could become children of God, believing on Him, but we have nothing to say, I did so and so, so I deserve it. We're bankrupt. We have nothing. And when we come to God, religion has confused so many things. People have got an idea that they do have to somehow work their way to God. They have to work, they have to do a bunch of stuff so that they can be accepted by Him. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says clearly, we believe on the Lord Jesus and we accept Him and that's how we become saved. You don't have anything to offer Him, nothing to say, I did so and so. We come to Him trusting His Word, trusting His mercy and His goodness, that He means what He says He means, and that if we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, believe that he wrote, God rose and raised Him from the dead, believe in our heart, confess it with our mouth, that we will be saved. We don't come saying, I deserve it. Religion will try to convince you that you need to do X, Y, and Z, and then you can come to God and He's going to accept you. But that's not true. We come based on the blood of Jesus. And any time we approach God based on anything but the blood of Jesus, we're out of whack. And you're also, you've, also, you've fallen into performance and it will, it will slice you upside one side and down the other. Because when we get into it, we start to thinking, well, it's me. I somehow deserve it. We've just set ourselves up for a fall. Pride, it says... Uh, the Bible says that pride comes before a fall. Well, when we start going down this path of judging other people, if, if we're going to come to God saying, Lord, I'm so glad for your mercy. I'm so thankful for what you've done. I'm so thankful that even though I didn't deserve it, Jesus... His blood has made me clean, and nothing that I've done, it's by the righteousness of God that's been imparted me through Christ Jesus, and I am a new creature in Christ, and I stand before you washed and clean in the blood of the Lamb, and I'm so thankful. And even though I missed it five minutes ago, Lord, I just thank you for mercy, and I thank you, Lord, I can confess that and say it's gone, and I am forgiven in you, and you are faithful and just to forgive me, cleanse me of all unrighteousness, Lord, I'm thankful that because of the blood of Jesus, I can come boldly into your throne and I am clean. And we have that pathway with God. And then to turn right around and say, yeah, but this person, why are they doing that? That was so wrong. That was so stupid of them. They are nothing but trouble. See, when we do that, we are then to go to God and say, yeah, but God, I, I will receive your mercy. It hinders that flow. 
The more we're judgmental, then when you go to God, don't Satan, he's a booger. Don't, don't you think he won't come up to you and go, what, what that guy? You, you just totally are all over that guy's case? And it won't even be necessarily referring to that incident, but you judging the other person, he's going to come in and be like, and who are you? Didn't you just mess up? You messed this up. And you did that, and who is God to receive you? And you have to push back with the Word, but this is the Word too. And this will put us on a solid foundation to be able to walk free. Now, I know you know how a lot of times we do. We kind of fly over something, and then we're going to go back and, and kind of fill in. This is flyover right now. This is not, I know when we read these scriptures, we can go like, I mean, it can feel like a spanking. You can feel like, oh my gosh, here we go. I'm just going to get, I know I'm doing my best. Come on. I need encouragement. This is a tool of the enemy to get into our lives and to hold us hostage. This is actually good news. This is not, I mean, don't act like, well, but, you know, I want to be able to do that. Why can't I do it? See, people look at what the Word says sometime and be like, oh, but, I mean, I really want to. I mean, you're telling me I can't. Does any, nobody's going to jump up and down and go, oh, but I really wanted to judge. It's more like, I know I should do better. Well, if we understand what's really going on, it will help us. And actually, when we start cutting some of this out by the grace of God, not in your own strength, but we just say, Lord, I don't know how to do that. But if we'll ask Him and believe Him, it will actually free us up in our relationship with God. It will free us up in our relationship with people because it is too big of a burden for any of us to take on ourselves to judge another person's heart. We don't, we, we can't do it. We don't have the knowledge. We don't have all the facts. It's not our place to do. It's not our responsibility. It's exhausting. And it doesn't make anybody like us either. Nobody wants to hear how they messed up. Do you like to hear how you messed up? Do, when you're doing the best you know to do, do you like to hear how you should have done X and Y and Z better? I'm not talking about in work or, you know, a, a good feedback loop, but just, well, you messed up again, you didn't do it. What? You're, you know, you can't figure that out. What? You just probably are lazy or what? That's somebody coming at you. Does anybody, you raise your hand and say, I love it when that happens. Mm. Give me some of that now. Come on. Let's. No, we don't like that. It doesn't make us fun to be around. And the thing is, this is, you know, going back to what we, we finished up talking about in the last series, so much, if we'll understand God's relationship with us through Jesus and what He has done, and the fact that He loves us and accepts us, it will start allowing us to be free of feeling like we have to judge everybody else. When we feel like He doesn't love us or we're not secure in that, 
then it makes you, it's so, you're so much more prone to nitpick somebody else. Why? You don't feel secure. You don't feel loved. You don't feel like you're in a place. You feel like in a good place. You feel like, I mean, de- the devil has a heyday just pushing and prompting. Well, they did this and that. Yeah. But what are we, what, the thing that we need to look at is, what are, how are we walking And by me pointing a finger at somebody else, I am actually condemning myself. I'm actually setting it up so that the enemy can criticize me. Anything you criticize somebody else with, as critical as you are to somebody else, is the way those thoughts are going to come back to you. Those thoughts, the same type of thoughts, are going to come to you about your own behavior. The more critical you are to somebody else, when you're walking things out, you will have a harder time fending off thoughts of how critical, of how your, your um, performance, if you want to say that, or your, your behavior is. You'll feel beat up and condemned. Why? Because you're pointing the finger at somebody else. Let's look at some of this a little more. So Luke 6.37, let's read through this. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. These are all laws of God. Don't go to the next one quite yet. You can go back to verse 30. Judge not, and you what? You shall not be judged. You won't be. Condemn not, you not be condemned. How many of you would say, I love to be judged? How many of you would say, I love to be condemned? How many of you want to be forgiven? We all want to be forgiven. This, Jesus, this is from Jesus. He's saying, if you don't judge, you won't be judged. If you don't condemn, you won't be condemned. If you forgive, you will be forgiven. Now go to the next verse. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, and it will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure you use, it's the same, this applies to everything we just read, it will be measured back to you. So when we're walking through life, this, these are instructions from Jesus telling us how to navigate some, some parts of life. Maybe this has been tripping us up. Maybe we're constantly feeling condemned. You know, if we're constantly feeling condemned, this is a place we may want to look. Are we judging everybody else and condemning them all the time? When we read scriptures like this, can you go back and put up, while I'm talking, put up the verse 37. When you read scriptures like this, see, we got to understand when we're reading the word, the Holy Spirit is there to help us understand the word. But the devil will try to steal it from you and try to paint it in a light that you don't accept it. You know, in the parable of the sower, there's different, uh, different phases, different times, uh, as the word is sown, it can be, it can be uh, stolen immediately. And you know, that's what the devil, if he can do it, he'll steal it immediately. Right now, we're under the anointing, we're hearing the word of God. If he can get you distracted, if he can get you offended as the word's coming, boom, that word's out of, out of your understanding and he's already done his job. It's not going to help you. But you could see it, start putting into practice and then something happens and then you you release it. There's any number of places where he will try to get you to release the word. And when we read this, like right now we're hearing it, but if you were to read this at home, 
If he can paint a picture of this somehow being a negative thing or a condemning thing to you, he can get you to try to step around it. You know what I mean? You're reading your, the Word, and maybe you have devotions, you're reading a certain chapter or a certain area, and reading parts, and you're just like, yeah, okay, and just go to the next verse because you don't really want to deal with that. Well, he'll try to get you, especially if something is working negatively in your life. It's a tool of the enemy and it's working well, he'll try to get you to ignore it. Well, that's not the problem. That's stupid. That's for so-and-so. That's not for you, and just get you to go right on. Why? Because if you keep operating the way you're operating with certain things in your life, he can keep destroying the way he's destroyed. He can keep operating. He can keep hurting. And this is a way, like I said earlier, this is a, I mean, I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say I've hurt, if there's it's got to be near the top of the list of people when they talk about negatively about Christians, this will be one of the things that they're judgmental. Now, we can be holy and live for God without being judgmental. You can love a person without and love who they are and not agree with what they're doing without getting judging their heart, you know, talking about their motives, talking about who they are, but loving them, that's not accepting everything they do. You can deal with that, but still not judge them. And that's a different thing than going, well, yeah, that person, they're just, they're stupid here. They just don't know this, or why would they do that? They probably have, they're probably thinking they should do this, and that's dumb, and that's all judging. And that is actually playing right into the hand of the enemy. Because when you do certain things, you're thinking everybody else is thinking those same thoughts towards you. It will cripple. It's a crippling function. That, that happens. It, it's, it's something that you, you're, you're walking along, and those sa- it says the same standard which you use will be used on you. So you're going to say, well, I don't know they're this, and I don't really believe them there, and oh, that person's just stupid there. And then when you start walking in life, and you're trying to say, well, I'm doing the best I can, yeah, but the thoughts will come to you. Yeah, but they're probably thinking this. Yeah, but you're not doing this, and you're not, you're not doing all you can here. And the same standard that you're meeting out, that you're using against other people, we set ourselves up to operate under that same thing. And it's crippling. And it's hard. And Satan knows this. And so he tries to get us to fall into the trap of judging other people. We judge other people on their actions. And we tend to judge ourselves by our intentions. (laughs) We judge other people by what they actually do. I mean, think about it when you're driving. I shudder sometimes if you think, you know, the thought crosses my mind sometimes. You know, if somebody were, if you were following you driving, or if you saw you driving different places, would some of the times we get mad at another person, actually, do we look like that sometimes? The same way? Do the other person is, you know, I'm sure they have a reason why I'm late, I'm doing this, or I thought, or the kid was doing something in the background, or, and they, you know, they swerve in another lane or something. There's always a thing, but when we see them, we're just like, what are you doing? 
where's your signal? Why are you going into my lane? Why are you going slow? Why are you going fast? What are you doing? But if we did it, we're thinking, yeah, because this and that, of course I'd do that. Well, it doesn't look like that from the other car. It looks just like what we see them doing. And it's this is kind of humbling when you see, oh, I, you know, you can see somebody. I, I shudder. I mean, there's, there's been times when you see somebody doing something, you're thinking, you know, have you ever, you're, you're thinking that, you know, I'll be admit it, you're thinking they, didn't, they weren't driving so well, and then you realize it's somebody you know? <laughs> well, what do we look like sometimes? Somebody's getting on our case. You know, nobody likes to be honked at. You get a lot of that around here. <laughs> they honk more out here than they do in the Midwest. They do. They honk, and it's, you know, it's just like, okay, that did a lot. You're, if, if you're going to honk, it should be because somebody's about to wreck, not because, you know, it's basically just honk, honk. They're honking back at each other rather than, you know, using gestures or yelling out the window. You know, if you have full control over your vehicle and you're going down and you're taking the time to honk because you think the person's doing the wrong thing, that didn't do any good. If you have time to honk, you're not in danger. <laughs> if you're honking frivolously, you know? If you're honking because somebody's about to hit you, it's one thing, but if you're just like full in control and just honk, it's like, well, that did a lot of good. What, what was the good of that? Well, people honk a lot. What are they honking for? You're a stupid driver. You're bad. Well, follow them for the next three days. And sometimes if we're yielding to the same thing, we're looking, if, we, if somebody were to follow us, would be, we be picture perfect all the time? I don't know. Maybe you're an awesome driver. I don't know. But the point is, a lot of times we are judging other people based on what they do and us based on the circumstance and everything that we know about the situation. And we're basically saying sometimes, well, it's obvious. Nobody should do this. Nobody should. Ha this should never happen. If that ever comes out of your mouth, what I would never or this should never, you may as well write it up, chalk it up right there. We're in pride. We're not seeing a situation. We ought to shut up right there. Because what we're doing is judging. We're saying, if I were in your shoes, I would never do that. How could anybody be that dumb or be that motivated wrongly? And we may not say it like that, but the, the, the spirit behind it is condescending, and it's actually taking the place of God who actually knows all the situation. Let's look at this, this scripture real quick in Romans Romans um, 12. Let's see. Yeah, Romans, let's read Romans 12, uh, verse 1 and 2, and then I want to look at verse 2 there a little bit. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, or sorry, 2, verse 1 and 2, sorry. Romans 2, Romans 2 verses 1 and 2. 
Not that one. Yeah, that's a famous verse of scripture. It says, therefore, therefore you are an excusable, O man, whoever you are, a judge, for in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself, for you who judge practice the same things. Verse 2, but we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. In the Passion Translation, it says, we know that God's judgment falls upon those who practice these things. God is always right because he has all the facts. Can you put it up in the Passion Translation? We know that God's judgment falls upon those who practice these things. Remember, this is right after he got done talking about people that are spiraling down in darkness. They're doing stuff that they shouldn't be doing. They're doing ungodly things. But he goes and says, wait a minute. He said that God's judgment falls upon those who practice these things. God is always right because he has all the facts. God's the only one that has all the facts. What appears certain ways in our, our life, we may say, yeah, I mean, I, if I were in that situation, I would have done that. Don't ever say that. You have no clue what you would do in a situation unless you've walked specifically in that person's shoes. Well, I've been in a similar situation. Similar is not the same. And besides that, you don't know how somebody grew up and the junk that they had to deal with from the time they were three to the time they were 20 and all the stuff that they're pushing against and saying, well, I would never, is saying, you know the mind and the heart of a person and you know everything that they're dealing with, you know what's going on and you know their motives. And it's, it's just not true. It's a very dangerous thing to go and just let God God is always right because he has all the facts. Let him be the person that is the judge. Let him be the person that knows everything and that can understand the situation. Our job is not to do that. Our job is to love people. Our job is to walk after God, make sure we are following Him, make sure we are doing what we're called to do, make sure our behavior is the way it ought to be, and then maybe we can help somebody else if they'll listen to us. In the Amplified, it says that Romans 2.2 says, We know that the judgment... Adverse verdict, sentence of God falls justly in accordance with truth upon those who practice such things. What's he saying? They're going to get what, they, what they're supposed to get. That's not our job to, to tell them and to make it happen. We're not to judge somebody. That doesn't mean you don't stand up for the truth. But there's a lot of confusion between standing up for the truth and actually... Um, Judging somebody else. Standing up for the truth doesn't have to be ugly. Standing up for the truth doesn't condemn the other person. Standing up for the truth doesn't judge why they got there or why they're doing what they're doing. Standing up for the truth would say, they, you know, this behavior is not right, but I don't know the person's heart. I don't know what they're dealing with. My job is to be a conduit of God's love to the person. How can I help them, not how can I condemn them? How, when did that become our job? To condemn, to straighten them out. To straighten other people out and tell them exactly what is wrong. And we'll, you know, let's be honest. We, there are certain things that we think are, well, I may have my deal and what I'm dealing with in my life, but it's nothing compared to, 
you can list a, a number of things that people would consider obviously fragrant, fla flagrant sins or things that are so obviously against the Word of God that somehow everybody, every Christian would have the freedom just to speak out against that because that's obviously so wrong. And if we fall into that trap, we are making ourselves a judge and we are basically, we're, we're categorizing sins, which there are seriousness of sins. Don't, you know, don't let anybody tell you there's just not. There's a difference between, you know, uh, thinking about something and flat out doing it. There is a progression. But to say, to just put it out and go, well, you know, I know all these people, they're doing such and such, and that's just so ungodly, and that's just wrong. I can't believe anybody would do it. We're falling into the condemning trap of the devil, the accuser. He's the one that's always pointing his finger. He's the one that's saying they're wrong, and this is why they're wrong, and trying to bring an accusation. Jesus did not come to condemn. He came to save. And as long as we have the attitude that, well, they're messed up, and obviously if they're doing this and this, they're so messed up, and there's no way around it, we are, we are cutting off the mercy that we would have. Because we're saying, in our situation, somebody could look at us and say, well, you're doing such and such. And if we're going to go back and say, but it's the mercy of God, then we have to extend, extend that same mercy to other people. And if we do, we are actually being his ambassadors and his representatives here on the earth. But the, but the, but the critical spirit saying, I, I, you know, you're not doing it right. I, I would do it this way. It is yielding to the wrong thing. Again, don't confuse it with judging sin or judging something in a certain situation. You can call something wrong. That's a lot different than saying why the person's doing it. You can disagree with what somebody's doing it, doing without being hard on them, without uh, judging their heart, without judging how they got there, without judging their, their, um, their decisions. Why, how and what are they dealing with? You can give them the truth without being condescending and judging. And that's really our, our ultimate goal, is to be conduits of the love of God and representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ, not to be somebody that's going around straightening everybody else out. Amen. Now this, as we get into this, I believe, I mean, there's so many facets. We've touched on certain things, and I, I believe that we'll get into to, to certain parts uh, of these things in, in more detail. But we need to, if we'll understand and just, just start walking out in our own life, understand that it's never, there's never a time when it's, the, when it's right to judge another human heart. If we start walking out and start realizing that anytime I'm judging somebody, if I'm being critical and fault-finding and thinking, well, I would do it so-and-so, and start identifying that, then what we'll find is that we start getting free. We start getting free of feeling we have to point something out, and we'll start getting free receiving the love of God in our own life. Because as long, if I'm condemning you, I'm really condemning me. If I'm saying nobody would do that, then what am I doing that would deserve that same condemnation? And Satan uses this to beat us over the head with it. 
He'll use it to cripple us. As long as I'm pointing my finger at you, I'm pointing it at me, and it's coming. It's a cycle. It's, a, it's, it's just a feedback loop where I am getting beat up then because, you know, you can feel pretty good a day I'm, if, you're, if you're walking and you're not really walking according to the word, but you start letting performance kind of get in there and thinking you deserve certain things. You're doing pretty well. And now, yeah, everybody else needs to get their life straightened up and you think you can start pointing your finger and stuff. It's just a matter of time before you slip up and you need mercy and you need help. And then what do we go to? Do we go, are we, if we've been condemning, 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 now we've done the same thing that we put on somebody else. The enemy will jump on your shoulder and beat your brains out because you, oh yeah, you need mercy now. You've just spent the last three days saying how this other person you know, has messed up and they're not going to amount to anything or they're not going to go somewhere and now you need mercy. And he will jump on your shoulder. And to push through that, you need to know the word of God and know what your rights and privileges are. But part of it is cutting this off early. Don't even give him the tool. Say, yep, I need mercy. And I've been sowing mercy to these other people. I've been sowing it in, this other, in these other people's. I'm not being critical of them. I'm not throwing you know, them out every time they, they make a, a, a wrong move. Praise God. God, I know this isn't the type of sermon that you jump up and run around the room. I know. But the, I believe we'll get into some things. This has been on my heart for, for a while. And just, you know, the stuff that, that, that we've been, I believe there's a lot here. You know, going through the scriptures and looking, there's so many things that have been said about it. And so many areas that, that we can look at and realize this is a trick. I don't, I don't have to, to, to figure your life out. That's freedom. Good night. I got enough just dealing with myself. I don't need to figure out everybody else's life. To walk around and let God be God and Jesus be Jesus and he's the Savior. Oh, hallelujah. I mean, I, don't, I can just talk to a person and I don't have to be like, oh man, that lifestyle is wrong and why are they doing it? I just, I mean, I have a problem even talking to you because no, you can walk up to somebody that has a lifestyle that is clearly against the word of God and still love them. That doesn't mean you're saying, oh, what you're doing is right and it's great, but you can love them and be cordial to them, not go into judgmental mode because, you know, it's obvious you have a problem. I mean, that's a very easy example or any number of other things that we think are visible. So this gives us me the right to cop a toot and like, well, obviously you don't have stuff together, but I'm going to talk to you just because, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm being nice. You don't think people can smell that three blocks away? That's so gross and ugly. We hate that in other people. That's not God. It's not God. I said, it's not God. That's religion. That stinks. Somebody could be in the worst possible place and they have messed up and they've done the wrong thing and you just treating them like a normal human being, that could change their perspective of Christianity. Yes. You're loving them. You mean you're not judgment? No. I, I don't think that about, I disagree with this, but love you. And you don't have to spell it out like that. You just behaving. Us just acting like my gosh, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for the love of God. I know. I, I mean, I deserve hell. Every one of us, we deserve to be in hell if it weren't for the blood of Jesus. And that gives us the ability to go talk to somebody and say, well, 
You know, how are you today? It's obvious that they're dealing with stuff. Hey, how are you? And not in a condescending, oh, I'm doing you a favor by talking to you because, you know, I'm so much further than you. It's obvious. That's disgusting. Because they, they're dealing with something that's easily, you know, the top five things that if you're a Christian, you know these things are wrong and nobody would ever do that. You fall in that category. So obviously I'm doing you a favor just talking to you. That is disgusting. That is what people despise about, that has pushed people off and give, given people, uh, Christianity, a bad name, is acting like there are things that God somehow is, can't fix or is, you know, he is against sin, but somehow that they're less of a person. They're still a human being. God still loves them. God's mercy is still toward them. God's hope is still that they'll be saved. And we cannot preach and believe that, oh, his plans are good for me and everything's going to go well for me. And it doesn't matter if I mess up 15 times, I'll get up and go. And at the first sight, somebody else is messing up, lower the boom on him. It does not work that way. We've got to understand that if I, am, if I am giving them a standard, I'm also giving myself a standard. And the best way is just to let God be God. His mercy endures forever. Flow with the love of God. That doesn't mean be wishy-washy. That doesn't mean condone sin. But chances are, if, if, unless you really know somebody personally, you're not going to have a conversation about how they're messing up anyway. I mean, you go down the grocery in the grocery store or in the mall and just stop everybody and tell them how they're messing up. So why do they want to hear it from somebody they, they don't know? No, that you're not going to get into that. Probably you'll never have this conversation. So why not just let the love of God flow through you while you're talking to him? And if the opportunity ever presents itself where you would actually be able to speak something because they're receptive, then you can give, you can give them the Bible truth. But anything else is just being offensive and pushing away. Praise God. God, I believe there's a lot that we're going to get into. God is faithful, but just starting out, just knowing. Look, I think we all know we're not supposed to judge, but just identifying, wait a minute, this is a trap. Wait a minute, there's something here. Wait a minute, I've been falling into something that maybe has hit me somewhere else. We can see more clearly and we can start, start walking things out differently. Let's go ahead and pray.